Food, water, shelter, and nesting are all vital to attracting birds to your backyard. Multiple food sources are also helpful. Shop a wide variety of feeders, waterers, and bird food at Blaine's Farm and Fleet to keep your feathered friends happy and healthy all year long. As national headlines feature the latest celebrity heading off into outer space, here in Wisconsin, we're sending up some common crops. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, and Simon Gilroy, UW-Madison professor and botanist, has been sending plants into space for years. This includes cotton and also some of our favorite salad vegetables. Space is a crazy place for humans, but also for plants, and they're weightless, and there's lots of radiation, and it's We don't really understand what happens when you try and grow plants in space. And so there's a lot of sort of discovery stuff of just trying to understand what happens. But then like tied into that is uh, a practical element of it related to sort of space agriculture, which is that there, there are plans to use plants to sustain astronauts on really long term missions. And it sounds a bit sci fi because we're talking about really long term missions, you know, many, many months to years. But if we're going to use plants in space like we do on Earth to feed the astronauts, to purify the water, and and just be really, really cool, awesome things to have around to sort of your psychology, then we need to know how they work, Um, you know, how reliable they are and how to do sort of space farming. No one knows how to do that at the moment. So we're sort of in the discovery phase for that as well. Experiments related to the basic science, but we also do some experiments which are related to sort of trying to understand just how on earth do you grow plants in space. But it looks like you've had some success stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the latest one that we've done was a partnership with Target, you know, the Target, the supermarket Target Corporation, um, to actually grow cotton seedlings in space. And that worked fantastically well. So it's part of a program to, that um, Target has to try and improve cotton as a crop to understand a lot more about, you know, cotton uses a tremendous amount of water. And so one of the things that would be great to improve it at a crop level would be make more water-efficient cotton. And that, that's, just, that's just hard to do like it is for any crop. Uh, and so one of the places where we can put cotton to manipulate it, to begin to understand how it grows and maybe how to tweak it in order to, um, to do things like find traits which would make it more water use efficient. One of the places that we can do that is on the space station. And so uh, literally this last month, we uh, sent some cotton seedlings up, grew them on the space station. They grow fantastically well. Cotton is an awesome plant. You get huge, huge plants really quickly. The way we do those experiments is we freeze them those plants in orbit and bring them back down to Earth. And then we do all of our sort of sciencey molecular analysis to work out what happened. So I, when we talk about space farming, I mean, is this a growing interest because of the sustainability aspect? Or, you know, why is this even something that businesses or organizations want to dabble in? A big part of the driving force for wanting to do sort of the space agriculture components of it is the the space station lets you manipulate plants and do experiments to understand how they grow in ways that you just can't do on it. So gravity is a big bit about shaping how plants grow. So you know, if you plant your corn in a field, the roots will grow down and the shoots will grow up. And that is driven, that shaping is driven by the plants sensing gravity. And so as a researcher, the experiment that you really want to do to understand how that works is remove gravity. And you just can't do that on Earth. So 
the place where you can do that is on the space station. And so understanding how plants grow in the absence of gravity gives us some ideas about, for instance, the roots are uh, going down into the soil because they're sensing the direction of gravity and growing down. Once we understand how that works, we can maybe design breeding programs to target traits that we've found in the space station to make the roots grow down deeper. And deep roots give you better water usage because you can get deep down into the water table. So my next question, any other crops uh, that you're working with? I saw I'm looking at your um, your lab website right now and I'm seeing uh, lettuce or other salad ingredients. So a lot of what we do is is real basic fundamental science to understand plants, and that's done on, you know, like the lab rats of plant biology, not crops. It's done on, on target plants where we can manipulate them easily. And then the other part of what we do is a lot on um, sort of the, the space crops. So uh, crops which have been targeted that should be good to grow on the space station um, and so a lot of those are leafy greens because one of the things you want to do in a, a controlled environment, agriculture, where you have really limited space, is you want to eat pretty much everything that you grow. So things like lettuce, uh, radishes and stuff like that, those are big target crops. The one that we're super excited about at the moment because we've literally last month, we did our cotton experiment and then sort of swapped over. And the next experiment that we're um, gearing up for for the space station is to actually grow tomatoes on the space station with the, the idea to sort of understand how the tomatoes grow, but also the interactions that they have with all of the microbes in the soil um, and whether we could use that sort of idea of sort of the soil sustainability, plant microbe interactions as a way of improving plant growth. Now, you talk about soil, and I've never been to space, so I, <laughs> but when I think of space, I think zero gravity, and is it messy to have to grow plants in space when there's no gravity? Yeah, yeah so, so you're thinking exactly the correct line. So we, we can't use soil. In space, because there's no gravity, just imagine watering your plant. So you've got your watering can, you tip it on its side, but no water comes out because there's no gravity to pull the water down out of the watering can. So... You have to inject, you like using things like syringes and pumps, you have to inject the water into whatever the plant roots are growing in. And it turns out that soil doesn't work very well under those circumstances. So we tend to either use things like clay particles, you know, like the classic hydroponics, or for a lot of times we use a nutrient gel that has all of the mineral nutrients that the plant will need, like just suspended in it, and the plant roots grow down through the gel. Because it is really... You, the, one of the, the things that we work very hard to not happen in the space station is to have random things floating around because they just, you know, they float around and the space station can get really, really dirty. And so one of the things that on Earth you just don't think about, but it turns out to be kind of a big deal in space, what if your plant flowers and starts releasing pollen? You know, that pollen will just float around in the, in the, the space station environment. And, you know, if you want to have really bad hay fever, just have pollen floating around forever. But it's, it's all designed to keep things contained because it's exactly that problem. Things just start floating around. My goodness, those are things I just, we wouldn't ever think about that here on Earth, how, how much gravity would impact how you grow things. It's such a different environment that we, we, we are constantly discovering new things, constantly going like, oh, you know, it makes perfect sense now we see it, but we would never have thought that that was going to go on. You mentioned your partnership with Target, but then you also had, you used to have that partnership with NASA. I mean, do you have any other, 
you know, partnerships to <laughs> break about or, or tell us about <laughs> that uh, are interesting. Yeah, I mean, so of course, like if you're going to do space research in the United States, the big partner that we have is NASA. Most of our work is funded through NASA. You know, most of our research is NASA stuff. The the other group which is in there is um, the so NASA runs you know the space station, but there's a, a group called the um, International Space Station National Lab or CASIS is C A S I S, and CASIS sort of part does that partnership where they are the space station side of things, but they set up partnerships with uh, commercial entities. So they're really about the commercialization of space. Um, so our target project was actually sort of a three-way thing with Target, us, and cases in the background, uh, like enabling access to the space station, because it's not that easy to get there. Now you're preparing for a new school year. You've got maybe a new batch of students coming in. Um, what are you looking forward to this year in terms of you know research projects? Um, yep. So uh, we have new batch of students coming in. We have some students that are going to start immediately working on the, the tomato project. Um, because like we're literally at the beginning of that project. We've, we've, we have the funding to work on it, but we haven't, we literally started it in like last month. So um, to do a spaceflight experiment takes one or two years of prep work to get to the point of thinking that you know how you're going to do it in space because you know, you can't get it wrong. So we'll bring in a, a bunch of students to work on that. Uh, we have some uh, other students. We have a lot of engineering students who work with us to, to build like the crazy equipment that you need to do the, the space flight stuff. And so we have some students coming in. They'll be working on some some equipment which tries to simulate the lack of gravity on that. So yeah, there, yeah, there's a. It, I mean, and the fantastic thing is, the students are going to be back in person, which is just, just you know, like what the university is all about. We've had a bunch of students who, uh, you know, they're deeply involved in this research. And then suddenly they couldn't be present in person. Um, fortunately, we have a lot of um, sort of the, the information science side of things, of taking the, the data that we've got and looking for patterns, and you can do all that in, it, like, using your computer. So those students have actually hung with it just because it's, you know, they're totally into the project, and they've had to do everything remotely. It, it's going to be fantastic to have them back. I was wondering if you could just speak on the future of uh, space farming. I mean, can you see us growing or cultivating crops up there? Can you see us cultivating food crops? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way to, to that I sort of think about it is um, if you think about our agriculture, think about the farmers in the Midwest planting their farms and all, you know, uh, and all the crops. That is thousands and thousands of years of experimentation about how to do it, about land management, about understanding the crops, about breeding the crops. So we're, we're, we are standing on a huge amount of work done by generation and generation of farmers to get us to the point of having this amazing agricultural system that we have, you know, that produces just an enormous amount of high-quality food. We're right at the beginning of that process for space. We've only had plants growing in space for 60 years. So Imagine right at the dawn of human agriculture when people had just realized that, you know, you can, you can put seeds in the ground and you can cultivate them and you're, you can predict a crop and all of that kind of stuff. We're right at the dawn of that in, in space sciences. So we're not going to be growing fields of plants in the next decade on the moon because we're just not at that stage of the development of it all. But 
we're gonna we we're, we're gonna have a, a space station orbiting the moon pretty soon. You know, in a, a ten year time frame, we're gonna have bases on the moon. We, we're shooting to go to Mars. So all of that sort of impetus is going, and we will we will have plants as part of how human beings start exploring the the solar system. It's going to take a while to get it to the point where you can sort of feed your astronauts with the plants just because of the scale of what we would need to do. But one of the big things that we're beginning to realize is that, you know, the whole idea of of space farming and the space crop is an important part. It's all part of the life support system that we can sort of envisage for the future of how we need to put people into space. But it turns out just growing plants. Imagine what it's like on the space station where you're in there in this built controlled environment it's very engineered you're there for six months or a year something like that it turns out that simply growing plants not even worrying about whether you're going to eat them but just growing that that living green thing gives you that connection to earth and the psychological benefits of of living with plants that may be the only thing that we need in order to want to grow plants while we're investigating space I asked Professor Simon Gilroy if he would hop on a rocket with Elon Musk or Ashton Kutcher. He says absolutely. If they asked him to get on a rocket tomorrow, he would. And he says, here's the deal. We're in an exciting time in history, much like when people started to sail around the world. And he says, who wouldn't want to step on the ship and see what's out there? Me, on the other hand, I might take some convincing. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.